Uh, tonight, I want to invite you to open back to our uh, key text, our theme text for this series on spiritual warfare, 2 Corinthians 10 and Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, you might say, well, why are we reading these every single week? Uh, well, because we're in a spiritual battle every single week, and we need to know where these are, and we need to know the truth of these passages. And uh, I, I can't think of a better way to get them into our hearts than to Again, go back to them and read them. Now, tonight, I think, is the final session in this series. And uh, one of the, I'm, I'm prayer, prayerfully considering uh, doing a series after this, a teaching series on um, answering some of those questions that I left you with uh, last Sunday night. I don't know if you remember that. Last Sunday night, I felt like I melted everybody uh, with the, with. I don't know, I just melted you. Uh, but I left you with a series of questions, you know. Do you know how to answer this question? Do you know how to answer this question? Because we're talking about using the sword of the Spirit, right? And so I, I'm prayerfully considering doing a series on helping you, equipping you to be able to answer those kinds of questions. And so we're, we're looking at starting that. Not next week, and then the following Sunday, the 17th, we're just going to have a church fellowship, just a, a wonderful time together that Sunday night. Uh, we encourage you to come to that and then possibly looking at the Sunday after that. Uh, but tonight, I believe, will be the last one here in our spiritual warfare series. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh... We are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey God. Christ. This here is Paul describing spiritual warfare. Again, it's not, you know, this hocus pocus, Harry Potter, exorcist, all of that. All of those ideas of spirituality, they don't come from the Word of God. They come from the world. However, a lot of times our mind on, on, on things is trained by the world, and so we have to renew our mind. And so here, as we look at this passage, it renews our mind. The bulk of spiritual warfare here it talks about is, is attacking, is going after the lies of the enemy. The lies of the enemy. That's the number one way that Satan works in our life as believers is through lies. Through lies. He, he, I, I believe that once you're born again and filled with the Spirit of God, you belong to Christ. You belong to him. And so I don't believe Satan can come and snatch you back from Jesus. If Jesus has got you, he's got you. So Satan, his work is to deceive you, is to limit your effectiveness, is to cause you to, to not fulfill the potential that God has for you in his kingdom. Well, how, does, how can he do that? It's through lies. It's through lies. It's through fear. It's through discouragement. It's through sin. And so here he's talking about the, the war that we have. It's, it's about the strongholds, these patterns of thinking that we have to renew our mind with, with the truth of the word 
of God. And that the weapons that we have, again, we don't fight with physical weapons, swords and grenades and M16s or whatever. No, we have divine weapons that have God's power to be victorious in our spiritual battles. How many of you, that sounds good to you, being victorious? Yes, amen. And so let's flip over to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to finish out this passage here in Ephesians chapter 6 tonight. I'm going to start here in verse 10, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord. We, We have to constantly remind ourselves in spiritual battles that it is not in our own strength. It's not in our own strength. It's not even putting faith in your faith and putting faith in in your ability to pray the right prayers or to, to come up with the right verses. Again, all of that is putting the focus back on us. No, we have to put our focus on the Lord, to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The devil has schemes. The devil has plans. And it's God's will that we would stand against those, that we would do battle with those. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, verse 12, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Our, our enemy is not flesh and blood. Our enemy is the devil and and demons and dark spiritual forces and lies and, and philosophies and systems of thought that are antithetical to Christ and his word. Therefore, because we are fighting against these things, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. That's God's will for his people is that they would push back on darkness in evil days. And we are living in evil days. And you are God's people. And so it's God's desire for you as his people to push back on darkness in the evil days that we are living in. And having done all to stand, stand firm therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. How many of you glad that says all? All the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And now we're going to zero in here on these last uh, three verses uh, here in this passage. So verse 18 Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought 
to speak. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we believe that it is true. We believe it is true because we believe that you spoke it. All scripture is breathed out by God, inspired by God. Lord, these are not man's words. Lord, these are not Paul's words. But Lord, that he was carried along by the Holy Spirit, inspired by your spirit to write down these words for us tonight. Lord, help us to believe them. Help us to understand them. Help us to live them. Help us to put them into practice. Lord, as we've spent the last several weeks now looking and learning and studying about and, and, and hearing about these spiritual warfare and the battles, Lord, that we are all engaged in. God, I pray that you would raise up in this church a mighty army to go out and to push back on the forces of the devil, to push back on the forces of darkness, Lord, to take territory for you and for your kingdom. Lord, as we uh, endeavor tonight to, to look at this final passage on prayer, Lord, that you would form and fashion us as your people into a praying people. Lord, that we would be known as people of prayer. Lord, that you would help us, that you would uh, 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 just form and fashion and shape us and call us, Lord, into deeper times with you, into deeper times of prayer. Lord, that we would uh, repent even tonight of our sin of prayerlessness. And Lord, that you would draw us to our knees and that we would be people who would intercede and that would stand in the gap. And Lord, we know that when we pray, you hear us. And when you hear us, you answer us. And so we can pray in faith, knowing that you are the God who hears and answers prayer. And it's with that faith tonight that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Three things from this passage plus one. I added a fourth. So we've got four uh, points tonight from this passage that I want to draw your attention to as Paul wraps up this section on standing and standing firm and all of the, the pieces of the armor of God that we're to utilize in our faith. He ends it. It ends with this crescendo about prayer. And the first thing that he says is that we need to be praying at all times. Praying at all times. Not praying most of the time, not praying some of the time, but that God's people, which you and I affirmed, we're a part of that, he calls on us to pray at all times. Now, this is not the only place that Paul mentions this. In fact, this is one of the, uh, I would say, foundational uh, truths and teachings on prayer is that God's people are to be praying at all times. Times. Look here, I've got, I actually put together a PowerPoint for you tonight to, to help you. But look here at some of these verses. Romans chapter 12 and verse 12. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. What that means is to constantly be praying. So in Ephesians 6, it's pray at all times. In Romans 12, it's to be constant in prayer. Philippians, 6, uh, Philippians 4, 6, one of the most famous verses on prayer, Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What should we pray about? Everything. I want to ask you, what is excluded from that? Anything? No, Nothing. So we're to be praying at all times. We're to be constantly in prayer. We're to be praying about 
everything. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, he says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. It's this steadfastness. It's this uh, constance. It's this uh, continualness of being in prayer. And then finally, 1 Thessalonians 5, 5.17, one that's very famous, it simply says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. So, so I, I, I think with the weight of the evidence here, we could all agree that God's people, you and I, the saints, we are to always be in prayer. We're to always be in prayer. And you might say, well, how, how do I, how can I do that? I mean, how can I when, you know, I'm getting chewed out at work or I'm chewing somebody out at work or, uh, you know, or when, the, when they're cutting me off in traffic or, or when I'm asleep or, well, you know, how, how is it possible for me to be always in prayer? I, I think if, if, if you don't have the right idea about prayer, you can not understand how this works, but it simply means to constantly be carrying on a dialogue, a conversation with the Lord. With the Lord constantly. Now, now you don't have to, you know, I don't know if you know this, God can read your mind. Did you know that? God reads your mind. God reads your thoughts. Every thought you've ever thunk, every thought you've ever thought, God knows it. God sees it. So, so even while I, I'm up here speaking, I can be carrying on a conversation with the Lord in my mind. Amen. Men, we know how to do this all the time. We know how to talk to our wives and think about something totally different. We're experts at this. Uh-huh, right? Yes, dear. Uh-huh, right? Of course, yes, of course. We know how to do two things at once. Of course, we don't remember a word that she said. Uh, that's beside the point. But in everything, we can be mindful of the Lord. We can be bringing our prayers, our petitions to the Lord. We can be asking the Lord for help, asking the Lord for guidance, asking the Lord for wisdom, asking the Lord to inter intervene and, 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 and to move in, in this person and in that person's life. Let's pray about that. You know, we, we say that a lot. We, uh, oftentimes we say, well, I'll be praying about that for you. We, you know, someone says, hey, I need this, I need that. And so we say, well, we'll be praying about that, brother. Well, if you can say that, why don't you just pray? We, we should never say, if we're with somebody and they ask us, can you pray about this? We should never say, I'll be praying about that. We should instead say, let's pray right now. Amen. Because we're to be constant in prayer, praying at all times. So let us put this into practice by being quick to take things to the Lord. The Lord should be the first one that we go to with everything. With everything. Whatever problem, whatever situation, before we get on Facebook and blast it to the world, before we go to our spouse and even tell them about it, we need to take it to the Lord. We need to take it to the Lord. Let's be quick to take things to the Lord. Constant in prayer. Praying at all times. Let's also be quick to ask the Lord for help. To ask the Lord 
for help. Now, I know as a man, one of my great character flaws is I don't like to ask for help on anything. Any other men relate to that? I don't like to ask for help. Call it pride, call it self-reliance, call it sin, whatever it is, I don't like to ask for help. But we need to humble ourselves and ask for the Lord's help. One of the ways that God has revealed himself to us is as the helper. The Holy Spirit is the helper. Let's ask for his help. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. We can't be prideful with God. We need to go to him for help. We often say this when, when there are needs presented. How, many, how, how often have you heard this? There is nothing too big for God. Do you believe that? There's nothing too big for God. I believe that. I believe God can move in any situation. I believe God can move in any circumstance. There's nothing too hard for God. There's nothing too big for God. There's nobody too far from God that he can't reach down and save them and touch them and deliver them and heal them and restore them and redeem them. Amen? There's nothing too big for God. But I also want to tell you there's nothing too small for God. God cares about the details. If we're to be constant in prayer, if we're to be praying at all times, it means that we will be praying about things that we think, do I really need to waste God's time with this? Listen, God doesn't have time. God's infinite. He's outside of time. You, you can't waste his time. He, he's got all the time in the world for you. He wants relationship with you. He wants closeness with you. He wants fellowship with you. And what do you do with the person you're close with? You tell them everything. How was your day? Well, I don't know. How was your day? And well, this is what I did and blah, blah, blah. I didn't do anything. Blah, blah, you know. That's just a relationship. It's just fellowship. And if we're to be constant in prayer, we'll be having conversations with God like that about the small things. My grandma Ruth Bell she used to pray about every day, she used to ask the Lord what she should wear that day. Now, as a kid, I'll be honest, I used to think that was ridiculous. I just thought, goodness gracious, Grandma, don't waste God's time <laughs> with what you're going to wear today. But now as I get older, the, the older I get, the more sane my grandparents seem to me. I thought, they were, I thought they were crazy when I was a kid. Now I've realized they had it all figured out. They really had it figured out. And I'm starting, thank you, I'm starting to see the value of inviting the Lord into every area of life, into every moment. Why would I not want God involved in any part of my life? Why would I want to quarantine God off from some part of my life? If I'm going to do that, it's going to only produce death and sin and darkness. No, I want God in all of my life. So we could go to the Lord with everything. And, and, and whatever we might even think is small, it's not even about uh, wasting his time or anything like that. It's just about having a relationship with the Lord, about having fellowship with God. And let me just say this. 
I wish more of the women in San Antonio would pray about what they're wearing. Let me just say that. I was at the mall this week on Friday. I was like, Lord, I, I have to guard my eye. I can't, even, I can't even open my eyes. I need to walk around, Heather leading me around like a blind man. Did they stop selling brassieres in San Antonio? What is going on? What is going on? So I wish more people would pray about what they wear. I think it would be a good thing. We start with that. So application point, pray. Pray. When you wake up, pray. When you go to bed, pray. When you send your kids off to school, pray. Before you go to work, before you start work, pray. Before you get that phone call, before you make that phone call, pray. Pray before you go to the doctor. Pray when you're at the doctor. Pray, 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 pray. Amen? The second is that we are to pray in the Spirit. To pray in the Spirit. And notice here he says, pray in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Supplication is our requests. Supplication is our requests specifically for other people. Supplication is lifting up other people's needs. It's intercession. It's standing in the gap. And so when Paul here is talking about praying in the Spirit, again, with all prayer and supplication, I I tend to think that he's talking about following the leading of the Holy Spirit in our times of prayer. Because if we're praying with our understanding, and you have to pray with your understanding if you are making supplication, you can't pray for other people's needs if you don't understand what you're praying for. And so it leads me to believe that where Paul here is talking about praying at all times and in the Spirit, he means praying in harmony with the Holy Spirit's will, with the Holy Spirit's desire. Instead of us praying my agenda, instead of me praying what I want to see done, we're asking for the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to lead us as we pray. To follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in our prayers. It's very easy for us to go to the Lord with our list of the stuff we need for him to do for us today. That's very easy to do. But when we are taught about prayer, here again, praying in the Spirit, and Jesus, when he taught us how to pray, what did he say that we should pray? Your kingdom come and your will be done. It's not my kingdom come, my will be done. Me going to the Lord in prayer is is not about the Lord doing for me what I want to be done. It's about us inviting the Lord to do His will, to accomplish His will, to ask for Him to, to do His work in this place and in that situation and with these people and in this healing touch and, and this and this and this. It's asking Him to do His work and to do His will. And that's what it means to pray in the Spirit here where Paul is talking. Jesus taught in John 6, 23, he said, In that day you will ask me nothing. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. I've mentioned this before, but I think it's important to mention mention it here again. When you pray, what it means to pray in the name of Jesus, to go to the Father in the name of Christ, first and foremost, it means that we're able, that we're recognizing 
that we have access to the Father because of the work of Christ. That the only merits we have to be ushered into the throne of grace is the work of Christ. That we come to the Father in the name of Jesus because of the work of Christ. My relationship with the Father has been restored, redeemed, renewed, healed. Where it was broken, where I was dead in my trespasses and sins because of Christ. I have access to the Father. Because of Christ, I am, I am no longer dead, but I am alive in Him. And so first and foremost, to pray in the name of Jesus recog- means we recognize that, that without Christ we are lost, that, that our only access to God is through the work of Christ. But secondly, to pray in the name of Jesus, again, it means to pray in accordance with his will and with his purposes. It means that we pray his will be done. Praying in the name of Jesus doesn't mean we just slap at the end of the prayer in Jesus' name on there and then all of a sudden we prayed in the name of Jesus. No, you can, you can actually pray things that are not in the name of Jesus and still put Jesus' name on there. But you have not prayed in Jesus' name. You have prayed in your own name. You have prayed your own will, your own desires. But the promise that Jesus makes is that whatever we ask the Father in his name, which means it's in accordance with his character, with his nature, with his desires, with his will, whatever we ask along those lines, we will receive. We need to ask more. We need to pray more. We are not praying enough. We are not asking enough. So when we pray, we ask for the Spirit to lead us and to guide us into what is the will of Christ, what is the will of God, what is in accordance with uh, His desires. I'm just now thinking of a passage in James. If you have your Bible, you can flip over there with me to James. James chapter 1. Well, I don't know. Where it is. I should have just yelled it out and acted like I knew where it was. The book of James, it talks about how... Here we go, James chapter 4. James chapter 4. What causes... uh, Verse 1, James 4, 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder, you covet, and you cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions, you adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. 
James says the reason why we ask and don't receive is because we ask wrongly. And then he qualifies that asking wrongly by asking with selfish motivations. Wanting to spend it on ourselves, spend it on our own passions, he says. And the, the, here he's using this uh, term passions really as a word for the desires and the sinful desires of the flesh. And so if all of our prayers are simply the sinful desires of our flesh, James says you're going to ask and you're not going to receive because you're not praying in accordance with the will of God. You're praying your will, your desires. To pray in the name of Jesus, to use Paul language here in Ephesians 6, to pray in the Spirit is to ask the Spirit to produce in us the right desires that we might pray in accordance with the will and the purposes and the plan of God. And when we do that, God promises to answer those prayers. Amen. Also, I think that I want to just say a word here about praying in tongues. Praying in tongues. I want to encourage you that if you have that gift of praying in tongues, to use it. Use that gift. Don't let your gift go dormant. Use it. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 that the one who prays in tongues edifies himself. He builds himself up. That when we pray in the Spirit in that way, it builds our spirit man. It, it makes us strong. It edifies us. The Apostle Paul says, I pray in tongues more than anyone, more than all of you. And so praying in tongues is a good thing. And if you have that gift, I believe you ought to use it. You ought to use it because the Holy Spirit will, will guide us and he will make intercession through us when we don't even know what we ought to pray for. So if you have that gift, use it. Uh, if you don't have that gift, you can seek it, the Bible says. It says to earnestly desire the, 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 the better gifts, and he lists tongues and prophecy in, in that order of, of, uh, of in that list of, of what to desire. And so if you have the gift, use it. If you don't have it, ask the Lord for it. And in all of it, we need to be praying in the Spirit. Amen. So, pray at all times, number one. Number two, pray in the Spirit. Number three, he says that we need to pray with, back to Ephesians 6, pray with all perseverance. And he qualifies that by saying, stay alert, keep alert, be awake, be on guard, don't fall asleep at the wheel, keep alert with all perseverance. When we pray, we need to recognize that the fact that Paul tells us that praying will take perseverance, we need to know and recognize that it means that prayer will not be an easy thing to do. Prayer isn't something that just happens. If, if there is prayer happening, it means that you are taking, you are making an effort Prayer is not like, 
Oh, my God. Prayer is not like falling off a bicycle. You know, anybody can fall off a bicycle. It doesn't take a lot of effort. Prayer is not like riding a bicycle downhill. Wee, here we go. No, prayer is like a 10-mile march uphill. It takes perseverance. It, it takes effort. It takes applied determination to persevere in prayer. So we need to have this mindset. We need to have this mindset. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to come naturally, which means that I can just fall into it. It's going to take effort on my part. A lot of times we just think that we're just supposed to wait around for God to do everything. But that, that's not how the Christian life works. That, that we work out our own salvation. We have a part to play. We, we have to get about the business of, of doing and living the way God has called us to live. And part of that is endeavoring to pray and, and making an effort to pray. It doesn't happen by accident. And I have found that uh, sometimes God will just, um, if we're not praying enough, he'll, he'll give us stuff to pray about. <laughs> I don't know if you found that out. You're not praying enough, guess what God's going to do? He's going to bring some stuff into your life to pray about. And uh, it's usually, you know, oh God, move in this situation. And I, I'm trying to learn my lesson, which is to, to stay close to the Lord in prayer so that he's not having to whack me up off the side of the head with his shepherd staff to get me back into the prayer closet. That we need to recognize that prayer is not going to be easy. It's going to take effort. It's going to take work on our part. We're going to have to persevere in it. Persevering means to continue in a course of action, even in the face of difficulty. Again, this shouldn't be shocking to us. We're talking about warfare. We're talking about battles. We're talking about engaging enemy forces that are out to steal, kill, and destroy. So it's not going to be easy, but it will be effective. It will be effective. These spiritual battles in the heavenly places. You might remember, you might remember this story from Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10 uh, Daniel receives this word from God, and he begins to pray about it. And he doesn't get an answer for three weeks. And three weeks later, Michael, or one of the angels, shows up, and uh, he says, I I'm sorry it took me so long to get this message to you. I was having to do battle with the prince of Persia, the demon spirit of Persia, to come and get you this message. And Michael, the archangel, had to come and help me overcome and fight this battle. And, and Daniel had been persevering in prayer. L listen, we, have, we, we don't even think in those terms. We, we have been so educated and indoctrinated in the materialistic way of thinking. There is a spiritual realm. There are demonic forces. There are demonic powers. And we are called to engage them with the sword of the Spirit, in the power of the Spirit, and to go to God in prayer. And we need to persevere in prayer until we receive the answer. 
recognizing that there is a spiritual war and spiritual battles raging all around us. We don't see it. I remember the, the story in, uh, what is it, First Kings, where the, the, uh, Elisha's servant is all worried because the city is surrounded by the enemy armies. And Elisha just kind of wakes up and has his breakfast and he's not worried about nothing. And the servant's freaking out. What are we going to do? The enemy army is all surrounding us. And Elisha prays and says, God, open his eyes. And God opens his eyes and all of a sudden he sees not just the enemy's armies, but surrounding the enemy's armies, he sees the hosts of heaven's armies. And all of a sudden this The servant that was so fearful is just like Elisha. He's not afraid anymore because he can now see what Elisha could see. God's here. God's fighting. God's armies are surrounding us. God's angels are doing battle for us. There's There's no weapon that can be formed against us that will prosper because of the work of God in our lives. We need to have those eyes that can see And those eyes, that spiritual insight, it comes from being trained, simply trained in the Word of God. Trained in the Word of God. Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is heading to the cross and he is praying. He asks his disciples to pray with him. And like every Christian since, They figured that was a good opportunity to take a nap. And so the Lord comes to them time and time again. Matthew 26, we'll look at just one verse. Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. Well, verse 40, and he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. We need to be on guard. We need to be watching. The disciples here... In this moment, I mean, this, this is one of the most crucial moments in all of human history. The Son of God struggling with what lies before him. The, the, Satan had been tempting him. You don't have to go to the cross. Go this way. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Jesus knows what lies before him. He knows the cross is ahead of him. He's pleading with the Father, is there another way? If there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, he prays, not my will, but yours be done. The the whole cosmos here. And he asks his disciples, pray with me. That he might gain some strength for what lies ahead. And they were fast asleep. They were fast asleep. Asleep. It says that the Lord sent angels who came and ministered to him. Listen, we need to not be like the disciples in that moment. We need to be more aware of the spiritual condition that surrounds us. And that awareness of the spiritual condition should lead us 
to pray. It should lead us to our knees to intercede, to ask God to intervene. We are too oblivious to the attacks of the enemy, to the lies of the enemy, to the working of the enemy, even in our own relationships. How often do we just have friction or, or we find ourselves, well, I didn't like the way that person said that to me, and, and, well, blah, 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 and, and all of a sudden, man, that's the work of the enemy. That's demonic forces sowing division. And we're not aware because we're not in prayer. We're just kind of asleep like the disciples. We need to be in prayer. Not asleep, not oblivious to what's going around, going on around us, but engaged in the spirit. That is how we can be useful to the Lord in fighting these spiritual battles if we are aware that the devil is working but he has called me to be on mission with him. The, the, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came that we might have life and life more abundantly, and the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. And we are the body of Christ. He is the head, but we are his body. We are his hands and feet. He has sent us out into the world in the power of his spirit to destroy the works of the devil. We do it through prayer. Number four, this is the bonus one. I wasn't going to include it, but it's here, so I'll just reference it. Here in uh, Ephesians chapter six, the very end, Paul makes an appeal. Pray, all, pray at all times, pray in the spirit, pray with perseverance. And then he says, verse 19, pray also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare the gospel boldly as I ought to speak. Here I would encourage you to pray for your leaders. When you pray, pray for your leaders, pray for your elders, pray for your deacons, pray for your pastor. What's interesting is this is the most referenced way that Paul teaches people how to pray in the New Testament. He constantly is appealing to them, the people of God, to pray for their leaders, to pray for him specifically. I want to show you those here tonight in closing, uh, just to, to show you that this is just a, such a common and prevalent theme. Romans 15:30, Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 11, you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing guaranteed us through the prayers of many. Philippians 1.19, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Colossians 4.3, At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison. In 1 Corinthians 5.12, it simply says, Brothers, pray for us. 
2 Thessalonians 3.1, he says, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. In Hebrews 13.18, pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I want to encourage you to pray for your leaders. Pray for your pastors. Pray for the elders. Pray for the deacons. Pray for your small group leaders. Children, pray for your parents. Pray for your grandparents. Pray for your leaders. Of course, we're also taught to pray for our elected officials. Well, not in their day it was kings. We have elected officials. But we're to pray for those in governing positions of authority. We need to be praying for our president, praying for the vice president, praying for our senators and our congress people and our house of representatives and the judges and that they would make righteous judgments and uh, the Supreme Court and we ought to be praying for our governor and for our, our mayor and, and, and all the way down. We need to be praying for our leaders. If we're not praying for them, who in the world is? Nobody. This is a task. Prayer is, is a task that, that uniquely the church is called to do. We're called to stand in the gap. We're called to, to invite God to move. And God works through the prayers of his people. It is how God works. So I want to encourage you. Pray uh, for your leaders. Pray for your pastors. Pray again here, as Paul says, pray for me that I would open my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. You can pray for that. You can pray that for me, that God would give me holy boldness. Amen. And that's, I, I need more boldness in preaching the word of God. Uh, I, I covet your prayers in that. And that we would pray for our leaders. In closing tonight, uh, on this passage, Matthew Henry, in his Bible commentary, he says this. We must pray with all kinds of prayer. Public, private, secret prayers. We must pray socially and in solitary. We must pray solemnly and suddenly with all the parts of prayer. Confession of sin, petition for mercy, and thanksgiving for favors received. And we must do it by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit, in dependence on and according to his teaching. Our enemies are mighty, and we are without strength, but our Redeemer is almighty. And in the power of his might, we may overcome. Therefore, we must stir up ourselves to pray. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the weapons that you have given us. Lord, they are not carnal. They are not fleshly. They are instead divine. They are effective. They have your power. Lord, I thank you for this uh, armor of God that you have given us. I thank you for the, the sword of the spirit. Lord, I thank you that you have well equipped us for the battles that we will all face. Lord, I pray for each of us here tonight in whatever way that we are battling, Lord, that we would stand and stand firm. Lord, that we would make well use of the armor that you have provided for us. And Lord, we ask that you would 
cause us, that you would call us to be people of prayer, that you would form and fashion us to be intercessors. Lord, that we would be known as people who who do battles for you and that you show yourself mighty on our behalf. Lord, it's not in any of our uh, work. It's not because of anything that we can do. Lord, it's our only hope is in you and in your mighty power. And we know that you have all power in heaven and on earth. And so, Lord, we trust in you and we believe in you. And we pray that you would help us to be people of prayer, praying at all times, praying with perseverance, praying in the spirit, and praying for our leaders. Lord, we lift up our leaders tonight. We do pray for our president, Joe Biden. We pray for our vice president, Kamala Harris. Lord, we pray for them. God, I pray for their salvation, Lord, that you would reach down, that you would touch them, that you would save them. Lord, that you would give them wisdom and that you would surround them with wise voices. Lord, just as you put Joseph in there with Pharaoh, he was an evil and wicked man, but you put a man filled with your spirit and you gave him Pharaoh's ear. God, I pray you would put people who are filled with the spirit to surround our leaders and to proclaim to them the truth and to proclaim to them the word of God. Lord, I pray that we would as a nation repent of our evil and repent of our sin and that you would cause our leaders to repent of their sin. Lord, that they would recognize their God-given place to reward good and to punish evil and to uphold justice. Lord, we do as a people, we even repent of the sins of our nation. And God, we ask for you to have mercy upon us to have mercy upon us, to have mercy upon our land. Lord, we lift up our governor tonight, Governor Greg Abbott. Lord, we pray that you would give him strength, that you would give him wisdom. Lord, that you would give him, uh, uh, you would protect him, Lord, as he uh, endeavors to uh, do what, what you, as a believer, he says that he, you have placed on his heart to do. Lord, we thank you for his, uh, the way that he uh, uh, bows the knee to you. Lord, we pray for our mayor, Ron Nuremberg. Lord, that you would, uh, the same Lord, place people around him that will speak the truth to him. Lord, we, we pray for our leaders in every area. Lord, that you would strengthen them, that you would uphold them, that you would bless them, that you would lead them, and that you would guide them. Lord, I pray for the leaders of the homes here at, at our church. Lord, that uh, we, would, we would love and serve uh, our families the way you've called us to love and to serve them. Lord, that we would be lights as we go out from this place.